And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at Stan the Fan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And we do take it away on this Saturday, the 28th of December, 2020. Just, uh, what, uh, 28, 29th, four more days left, including today, in left in the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you're telling me, because I've heard this, this being batted around over, no pun intended, no pun intended yeah. but over at Masson, that Phil Wood says that the next decade doesn't start until 2021. But we're doing, everybody's doing all these end-of-the-decade things. Right. You side with him. That well, I'm, I was just reading it. I mean, oh, okay. You know, this is one of those things where I, I don't it really makes care. no sense to right. me, and I don't care, right. really, to I be honest really with care. you. It's not going to uh, change. But they're saying that the next decade really officially doesn't start until 2021. Right. And because of that... Uh, people should hold off, you know, saying... So the year 2000 was not the beginning of a new century. I have no idea, Stan, okay. to be honest with you. I can't officially do, tell you one way or the other. And do I care? Or, and do or, I care? And exactly right. Nor right. do I care. How was your uh, holiday? Good. Uh, you know, busy, hectic, uh, yep. traveling, uh, work, you know. Family. Family. Did you get some bit. time in there for family? Yes, a little bit. Did you yeah. get anything that you wanted? Did you get any Costasin gift cards? Uh, I got a Costasin gift card. Yes, I did. And, you did? Uh, yes, you got I did. one. I got okay. one. Okay. Did you buy people uh, Costasin gift cards? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can't afford that. Work at Pressbox right. part time. Uh, we are here, and if there's a new face, are your is your face on the um, on the screen? Yes, it is. That is Paul Valley, our new uh, producer That's of the right. show. We wish we you well. We finally got rid of that Ryan McGettigan guy, oh, and then uh, uh, well, we've had a whole host a whole of these host Towson. Yeah. We used to have Brandon Sachs, Brandon Sachs, uh, Bonza Tufa, Brittany Everett, yes. Ryan McGettigan. We get uh, Paul Valley from the School of Hard Paul, Knocks. Welcome, welcome, welcome aboard. to the show. Welcome aboard, and just remind. You that every every one of those other ones are out of here. That's right. <laughs> well, that's right. Just be a little careful. I'm also from Towson. Went oh. to Towson myself. Oh, you went to Towson. I oh, went good. to Towson. Actually, right. we love Towson. We love Towson. <laughs> we love Towson. We love Towson now. <laughs> we certainly <laughs> do. A minute ago, we didn't love Towson, but we do now. Um, by the way, Towson has a basketball game today at yeah. two o'clock. They are playing. They're playing somebody at the CQ Arena. Okay. All right. Um, guests today on the battle round at uh, 1020 um, on our last program of this year, 2019, Andrew Stetka will join us. He writes for MadisonSports.com and UtahStreetReport.com. Uh, Andrew Stetka joins us at 1020. At 1045, your friend and mine, Bill Latson yep. from MLB.com, a uh, very fine columnist there uh, who used to cover the Nationals and the Expos was that for MLB.com uh, at the at time? At the time, yeah. Yeah. And, okay. How long has MLB.com been around? Good question. Uh, because the Nats moved here in 05. 05, right. So that means they've been here 14 years now. Right. So MLB.com must be around about 20 years or something like that. Anyway, at 
11.05, I reached out to an old friend, Andy Dolich. Andy, one of the rare folks that has worked as an executive in all four major sports, worked for the Washington Capitals, worked for the um, 76ers at one time. That was when he kind of was starting off, but he was an executive with the Memphis Grizzlies, San Francisco 49ers, and I met him during his days with the Oakland Athletics. Andy Dolich, who lives in the Bay Area, will get us up to date on the latest maneuverings in the seemingly never-ending battle to build a new stadium in Oakland for the A's. For the A's, and now that the Raiders have played their last game at the Coliseum, yes, uh, this one should be a baseball-only facility, and... Uh, it would be more fan friendly, certainly. I got to tell you, with better amenities than what the Oakland Coliseum currently has. Now, did you ever attend any Oakland athletic oh, games before they enclosed it to oh, bring absolutely. the Raiders back? That it was used a great to be, ballpark. It was a great ballpark great to ballpark. watch games in because uh, you had seats in center field, but they were kind of bleacher seats that went from uh, right. right and left field to, to right field. Uh, the bullpens. Uh, we're still always on the side, uh, but you used to look out, and, and if you, you were up the a little bit, you yeah. see the mountains. It, it was, was a, really gorgeous. Really it was. Gorgeous. It was a very, very nice place to watch baseball. Yeah. And then they, the Raiders left and moved to L.A. And when they came back, they built what they called Mount Davis out in center field, right. which changed uh, uh, the look of the stadium and the fact that uh, from a from an aesthetic standpoint. It was it was not very good because you couldn't see obviously out into center field or past the stadium out. Yeah, you know, it was the, all of a sudden it, it was, was enclosed just, in. Yeah, and it, and it was, was like a mausoleum in yeah, a lot of ways, yeah. and uh, and it also changed. I think the way uh, the flight of the ball uh, during games uh, it affected that aspect of it. So uh, again, it was it was not a very uh, well thought out plan. I mean, and no, you know when the Raiders played there. Before they right, moved to LA, it was predominantly a baseball it stadium. Was, well, yeah, but I mean, but nonetheless, you you had stands in center, but they constructed a whole section of bleachers that right. ran the gamut from they left, put in left temporary field, stuff, yeah, left yeah. field to right field, uh, and and you know I, why they didn't do that this time around, I have no idea. Well, I'm other, sure, other I'm than sure the, the money it had, the it money, had to do but yeah, you know, in terms of you know, sky boxes and well, things of that nature. Well, ruin the ballpark ruined for the baseball. Ballpark, yes. Uh, and Andy Dolich has long been in favor of building the new stadium right there because all the infrastructure's there. Which they have a chance to do. They st- And I think he'll. it'll be interesting. The new news today, by the way, or this week, was that the city of Oakland finally did agree to sell their half of the ballpark. I think they own half of it. And Oakland Alameda, the county, owned half of it. Right. They agreed to sell their half to the Oakland A's for redevelopment purposes. And that redevelopment, as you say, could end up being the ballpark. But the the shell game that they're playing, or the hidden ball trick, as Andy likes to refer to it, is that that the money in the deal that they now own that land there and are partners with the county is what's necessary to generate the ultimately the revenue for the owner of the A's, who's a multi-billionaire, to build the new ballpark at Howard Terminal. But there are a lot of doors to go through because Howard Terminal, 
uh, is, a, is a port, you know, area, and uh, there's a remediation, chemical remediation that needs to be done, all the infrastructure to bring roads in there. He's not offering to pay for that, as I understand it. And that's where the money, the big money, really is in changing highway construction right. and all that stuff. So I think Andy Dulwich, and I talked to him yesterday, I think he'll still feel that before it's all said and done, they will get shut out at Howard Terminal, and the, they'll end up doing something at the new at the old site. Right, and and I think that's to me having. I have friends that live in Alameda. Right. Okay, on the other side of the river there, uh, and having been to the ballpark several times, I think that a ballpark on that current site is right. the best place for it. I, I think it's not as sexy as, you know, no. in other words, they're trying to hit the home run of getting the next Camden Yards or something like that. Uh, but but the, the less sexy, but the easier thing for everybody would be to develop it there. Uh, one of the complications would be, I guess they'd have to reach a deal with the Giants that the Giants would allow them to play two or possibly three seasons at their ballpark. Yeah, at AT&T Park. Yeah. Right, absolutely. So, yeah. So and we'll see how that all plays out. Anyway, Andy Dolich is going to join us at 11.05. Yeah. Around 11.30. I was going to say really quick, now yeah. you want to talk about aesthetically pleasing. Yes. AT&T Park is fabulous. I've not been. I've. I was there on my honeymoon. The stadium hadn't opened yet. My wife and I. I was going to say, how did Jane feel about you going to the game? <laughs> we didn't go. We went in February. We went during oh, all. Right. We went during All Star NBA week. Oh, okay. And we went yeah. our honeymoon. We planned it a couple months before. We had some interesting times there, including a, uh, I think it was a Snoop Dogg concert in our hotel. Mm -hmm. That apparently, now Jane and I were sound asleep. Uh, but apparently the police locked the entire hotel down about 2 in the morning because he they had a, a covenant where the music could play till midnight, mm -hmm. and Snoop Dogg wouldn't get off, off the stage. Off the oh, stage yeah. And he basically challenged them, and they put the hotel in lockdown about 1.30 in the morning. Uh, we didn't know that because we woke up and had breakfast like usual, but we were told that by the manager of the hotel. It was pretty uh, dicey there. Anyway, 11.30, we're going to well, touch. Well, no, 11 o'clock. No, 11.05 Andy, Andy is Andy Dolan. Okay, okay. 11.30 yeah. is Benny Thompson. Now, you may say, what does Benny Thompson have to do with baseball? Absolutely nothing. Hates the game. But I've been talking to Benny a little bit. He and I are good friends. He lives in New Orleans. Uh -huh. So the conversation started out, who are you going to be rooting for? Because he played for both teams, and he lives right. in New Orleans. Um, and he's not a giant fan, I think, of Harbaugh. Uh, but he goes, no question, Ravens. Uh -huh. And I, I said, this guy is – I said, you. I said, I've watched football for 50-plus years. You've played it for, you know, 15, 18 and watched it for 45 i said this guy's the most unique player he goes he's just off the charts mm -hmm. so i figured we'd uh, chat with benny a little bit about the ravens he's talking about lamar jackson lamar yes. jackson yes no i was actually you talking know, about marshall, benny, yeah, right. marshall yanda yeah anyway uh we, benny benny thompson is the only person i've ever seen go into the costas inn right and order one crab <laughs> <laughs> We should I ask him about that. We'll, we'll Sat at the end him. of the bar near the front door and ate one crab. 
Benny Thompson, by the way, um, and we are broadcasting from the live casino hotel studios here, as we do every each and every Saturday. Benny Thompson pulled a prank on me that was one of the all-time. It was when the uh, one of our shows was. At, remember the Havana Club? Oh yeah, yeah, part of Ruth's Chris right, right, Marketplace. Right, so Had we, cigars we, too. Yeah, we were doing one of our nightly shows down there uh, with Tom Matty and Bruce Laird and Mister Nobody. We must have done Monday Night Madness there for a year or something like that. It's and we went on the air. I believe at six o'clock. I think uh, Benny about five minutes to six. He he. I'm up at the bar with him and I'm getting like uh, water or soda water or something, and he goes. I, I hate these things. Here, you can have this. And he hands me a lottery ticket, you mm-hmm. know, a scratch-off lottery ticket. And I go, what? what is it? He goes, ah, go ahead. I never win these things, you know. So I'm, the show's about to start, and I'm scratching the thing as it starts. Mm-hmm. And I got like, you know, $10,000, $10,000, and we're starting the show. And I go, Benny, I said, I think I'm going to win. I think I'm going to win this thing. And he just sort of sort of burst out laughing. Yeah. I didn't know, and I scratched the third one. I said, Benny, we won. We won. You know, because I was going to, in my mind, I'd at least offer to split it with right, him. Right, exactly. Because uh, I did nothing to earn it. And he just, I said, no, we really, I said, I said to Bruce Laird, I said, Benny Thompson just gave me his lottery ticket. We just won $10,000. It was one of those dummy tickets it's where it said you're an idiot if yeah. you think you want any money or something like that and then of course that is a good prank that, it was a great prank it was a great prank um i've gotten benny a couple times on some other pranks but anyway we won't go there uh andrew stetka <coughs> bill latson andy dolich benny thompson uh before we get andrew stetka there was a story that surfaced just yesterday that i happened to run by a couple people and nobody knew that Chris Tillman had labrum surgery. Finally? In June. He had it in June. Uh, everybody had been asking him what's wrong since sort of the middle. When, wasn't it the middle of, was it 17 when his career fell apart? or was 17, it 16? yeah, but I mean, even before that, I think in some, sometime in 16, well, remember People he was like ten and two or something like right, that. Right, and then it all went in a tank after that, yeah, and, I mean, and the velocity dropped, and people were asking if he's healthy, and he insisted that he was. Yep. And you know, actually, I think at now that, that time, I go, now that I go back to it, I think it was the second half of sixteen. Okay, that he was like eleven and two at the All Star break, uh, right before the All Star break, and he had to come out of a game. And then it was like it was almost a little like Max Scherzer, and I'm not trying to equate compare the it, two, right? Equate the two, but it was like ah, it's nothing that big. And then it turned out he was never the same pitcher. Uh, the reason that uh, Joel Sherman wrote about this, and it was interesting that Rock didn't have it, or Rich Dubroff, or Dan Connolly, that it came from New York, is that apparently Chris is uh, anxious to uh, do a showcase leading into spring training. Uh, probably planning to do it sometime uh, in the next 30 days. I yeah, guess. well, you know, and the thing with one of those is the fact that, uh, you know, teams will watch. Team, some teams may take a flyer or want to take a flyer on him uh, because if he could return to any kind of form the way he was, 
Uh, he could be yeah. a very serviceable pitcher for somebody. So you have to wonder, are the Orioles, look, he can't have any uh, – Delusions that he's going to get a guaranteed four million dollar contract. No, no, no. He's going to get a minor league invite by somebody. Now that could be a team like the Angels, mm-hmm. but it would also seem like he'd be an interesting bounce back bet for the Baltimore Orioles. Much like um, what's his name, Nate Carnes was well, yeah. last year, where you sort of said, "Okay, I didn't pitch last year, right?" But, and, and but if we get him, you don't want to cheat contract. If that were to happen, you hope the situation. Uh, comes out a little bit better than Nate Carnes. <laughs> exactly. I mean, they can't. They can't have that exact scenario right. again. But uh, so it'll be interesting to watch over the next two to three weeks to see. Now, again, I have to say that a June repair would mean. Let's just say you had a June first. Give them the benefit of June, July, August, September, October, November, December. That's seven months for a labrum repair to be recovered from, that seems a little fast to me. seems to me like he'd be looking maybe more like having this showcase in like late, mid-April or something like that, like yeah. two more months uh, of rest well, and rehab. that's true, but by the same token, uh, I think he's probably gone through that, uh, you know, when he had the, from when he had the surgery up until now. Right. And I think he's picking spring training just on the thought that maybe if somebody sees him, somebody will invite him. And then, and then he pitches well enough, shows enough to, to go to their AAA right. team for a little while and uh, pitch his way back. So anyway, we with we wish Chris nothing but the best. Yeah, you won't uh, find a better individual. Yeah, a stand-up guy and uh, was a pretty darn good pitcher. You know, he was good. not he was not a Mike Mussina ace or a, a Palmer McNally, no. but he was in that next group of guys. No, and even when he was the quote-unquote Oriole ace, uh, most people knew that he was probably a three or a four on a good ball club at that time. Yeah, and that was frankly. One of the deficiencies of that ball club, I would say, on base percentage was a huge deficiency on right. those good Oriole teams from 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. And I'd say the, the presence of nobody that really resembled uh, a Mike Mussina or a Palmer or, you know, a Roger Clemens in his heyday, uh, the fact that uh, their best pitcher or most consistent pitcher, was really probably a three. Right. A solid as hell three or or lower two. Um, it made it uh, interesting. Anyway, joining us now from his home in uh, Arizona is our friend Andrew Stetka, who writes for uh, Utah Street Report and MassInSports.com. Andrew, how are you, my friend? Gentlemen, happy holidays. How are things going? Good. Everything's going great. Hey, we're talking about Chris Tillman, uh, did you read this, the note yesterday on uh, MLBTradeRumors.com that he actually had labrum surgery in June and is now planning to try and come back this year? Yeah, I saw that. It was kind of interesting. You know, you think about the fact that this guy, it feels like he's been kind of off the map for for quite a while. And um, when I read this yesterday, I, I actually had to go back and look at uh, you know, like his his baseball reference page, and realize you know how long it's been. And what was and the year? He, the year that he that he was off to an incredible start. That was sixteen, wasn't it? Yeah, sixteen. He had a really good season. Um, you know, ended up making thirty starts, finished with an ERA under four, and went uh, you know went sixteen and six. That was probably actually his. You know, maybe twenty thirteen, but I think sixteen was was but, 
you know, pretty comparable with his 2013 season. 2013 is the year he made the All-Star team. But 16, um, 16 was the year, wasn't it like mid-June and he was like 10-1 and one or 10-2? and two? Yeah, and, and yeah, he, he jumped he, out really, really he, high there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's funny. It, like, it feels like Chris Tillman's kind of been out of our minds for, for, for a quite a while. Or something but, like that. but yeah. he actually pitched for the Orioles in 2018. Yep. And it's like not a lot of people realize that. He made seven starts and was, was awful, and it was all injury. And um, it's funny, when you go to his baseball reference page, he's actually photographed in a Texas Rangers cap right. despite having never played for them because he signed with them as a free agent. Um, and then was later released, but it it, it is kind of wild. He, his name just kind of popped up out of nowhere, and um, you, you know, I heard you guys mentioning he might be a, a candidate for a bounce back. I don't know if that's something the Orioles, yeah, you know, would or or should do. But and, and how about you know, him? Guy, he may he may also say, you know what, I've been there, done that with the exactly. Orioles. Let me go to a new organization. Yeah. And you just don't know, you know. I mean, look, starting pitching in in this day and age is is at such a premium. Um, but you just don't know what that guy's going to be able to offer. I mean, he's going to be 32 come April. Um, you just, you know, he, he's going to do a workout and see. But, I mean, really with him, and, and this is what, what led to kind of his, um, his demise, was just the velocity because of that shoulder. Yep. And unless he's able to really pick up that velocity to half of what it used to be, I don't see a, a ton of success ahead for him. Um, maybe he could be a, a you know, a, a middle relief bullpen arm, but that was just never really – something that, that fit his kind of mantra. He was always a starter and, and always better as a starter. And, um, you know, he like like you said, he had probably three a three out of four years stretch there for the Orioles that was, was really good and well, really enjoyable. Yeah, from 13 uh, through 16, uh, 16 wins, 13 wins. He was a 500 pitcher in 15, 11 and 11, but then uh, won 16 again in, in, in 16. So... Uh, again, like I said to Stan, I don't think the whole time he was here, anybody considered, I know he was the Orioles' ace, if you will, but I think most people considered him a a three or a four on a good ball club. Sure, sure, and that's kind of what, you know, what the Orioles needed him to be. They never really needed him to be, you know, a top-notch starter in the league. They just needed him to be consistent, for the most part he was. Other Other than that 15 season you mentioned where his ERA kind of ballooned up near five, um, he was a sub four ERA pitcher for that little four year stretch there for the most part, and um, you know was was delivering innings. He, he went over two hundred innings twice in that stretch. Um, so you know, it, part of the problem with him, especially later on, as I mentioned, when the velocity dipped, he, he wasn't able to keep the ball in the ballpark, and right. that's of course a really big issue at Oriole Park, um, just because of the the ballpark itself. But um, when 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 that ball starts getting elevated um, and and the velocity isn't there, that's when that's when he started to run into problems. And it's a shame because you know you never know if if, if the shoulder holds up and he's just a healthy pitcher, he could still be pitching decently for the Orioles and, uh, well, right the now. Thing, the thing I feel bad for Chris about is whether it was going to be with the Orioles. Is we've rarely you know we hear about injuries all the time and how they impact a player's career. Chris was on the verge of. Had he finished out that 16 season well, uh, and I forget whether he was a free agent after 16 or 17, but he was on his way to like a five-year, 80 to 90 million dollar contract at that time because he was a really solid pitcher. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I've and, always and to, felt date, bad. and to date, he made 25 million. So yeah. that shows you kind of how you know, how quickly it, it, it fell apart, and it is. It's unfortunate, but, 
Um, it's just one of those things. And and I I mentioned earlier, you know, he'll be 32 in April. I mean, that seems, you know, like all is lost. But, I mean, 32, if, if you can come back and, and have a, you know, three or four more good years, I mean, that's still relatively young enough as a pitcher to, to be able to do some things. So I, I wish him all the best. I don't, I don't know or, or think it will happen with the Orioles, but who I, knows? I mean, crazier things have happened. One of the things that speaks to it not happening with the Orioles, and I'm not trying to just pick picky Yoon, uh, you know, try and find something picky Yoon, but I thought it was very interesting that this story was written, you know, the, the MLB trade rumors was based on a report by Joel Sherman. Wasn't right. Rock Kabatko or Rich Dubroff or Dan Connolly. So there's clearly been sort of a little bit of a, a separation from him with the Orioles beat. Well, and not to mention there's just an entirely new regime yep. in, in Baltimore now as, yep. as opposed to when Chris was there. So, you know, there's there's probably no interest for just, just, just because of that yep. uh, would be my guess. But, you know, and, and this team obviously is, is going through a, a massive rebuild right now and wants to get younger. And, and who knows if they would want to bring in a – uh, a, a, an early 30s pitcher to just kind of try out. I mean, obviously they they did it a little bit um, in in the past year. Nate Carnes comes to mind, for example. I mean, yep. they you know they, they they bring in these guys to because you have to get innings from somewhere, obviously. Yeah. Um, and and you can't just throw all your young arms out there and and let them let them sink. But um, you know, there's certainly going to be some veterans brought into this roster going into 2020 to to kind of supplement. But I'm not just I'm just not 100 percent sure Chris Tillman will be one of them. Yeah. We're talking with uh, Andrew Stetka, who writes for MassInSports.com, plus he writes for the UtahStreetReport.com, and we appreciate his being on with us on this Saturday. And, Andrew, uh, <clears throat> one of the guys I guess we can pretty much almost write in, we know that John Means is going to be a starter. We know in light of the uh, Bundy trade that the next best starting option is probably Alex Cobb, and we're keeping our fingers crossed for multiple reasons, on Cobb having a yeah. bounce back, then I guess Wojciechowski has a pretty good leg up on a, on at least having a real solid chance. But I would say one of the Rule Five guys they picked out of the Houston organization, Brandon Bailey, really right. figures to almost go in and have to pitch his way out of a rotation spot. Yeah, I mean, that's the way it kind of looks right now. With these Rule 5 guys, we've seen it happen over the years where, you know, the Orioles have have, have, dra- have used the Rule 5 draft to get guys on their roster and almost try to hide them. But at this point and where the Orioles are, you kind of wonder what would be the point of, of, of hiding any of these guys. I mean, we know the Orioles are not going to be good in 2020. They're not planning to be good. They haven't really done anything, you know, this offseason that would indicate that they even want to be good. Um, so why not throw you know, some of these Rule 5 guys into the fire and, and just kind of let them work. Um, I, I kind of agree with you. Brandon Bailey seems like a, a candidate for the rotation. Obviously, you mentioned Means. Cobb, heck, we, we just got done talking about Chris Tillman. If we want to talk about pitchers with injuries, <laughs> Alex Cobb would be one yeah. of them to yeah. discuss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, 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 we hope he could come back. And I was really, you know, when the Orioles originally signed Alex Cobb, I was really, really hopeful that he could come in because I always liked watching him in Tampa. Yep. Um, but it has not gone well, obviously, so you hope that, that he can bounce back. And then there's a, a, a slew of other arms that can kind of fill in in that 4-5 range, um, whether it be Dean Kramer, uh, who they got in the, in the deal with the Dodgers, um, the, the Machado deal. Um, you know, there's, there's like, like I said, there's a number of, of potential arms down there that it will eventually come up. I mean, Michael Bauman comes to mind that, that he could eventually be a guy that, that maybe jumps in to, 
to that rotation. Um, I know he had a great year last year. Um, Zach Lowther. There's a lot of these arms in the minors that are kind of not not really ready. But again, it's it's <laughs> eventually it will be sink or swim time for some of these guys to figure out if they are going to be pieces going forward, either with the Orioles or whether or not they're going to be pieces that can be used, you know, in a trade to kind of further along this rebuild. One of the things I think that's interesting, and it's a, it's an interesting dynamic from the club standpoint to the fans' standpoint, and how the fans feel about this team as they move forward in this rebuild. Now, you said, and you, you made an interesting comment, which I think is right on the button, and that's the fact that, you know, nobody expects the Orioles to win this year or even come close to winning this year. And you also said in the same, in, almost in the same sentence, uh, you, you know, I, and I'm not sure the club expects, you know, to win this year or come close to winning this year. That, to me, is going to be the disconnect, Andrew, uh, between, sure. between what the fans want or hope happens and what the Orioles are going to continue to do to try to get this thing righted uh, to be consistent for a long period of time. And I'm just wondering from a fan standpoint, we've been through now two years of very bad baseball with this team, uh, one under the old regime, one under the new regime, but going and forward, a half, and a and, season and, and a half under the old uh, regime, right? The seventeen was terrible. And and, and I'm thinking, <clears throat> I'm thinking to myself, uh, you know, how are the fans going to handle this? Because at some point in time, they want to see some progress here, and and what means progress for the fans is in the win loss column, right? It's right, very right. different for the regime. Yeah. Uh, and let me just ch- chime in, Andrew, bef- uh, and we'll remind folks we're broadcasting from the live casino hotel studios. You know, the issue of timing when you're trying to rebuild a team, look at the Philadelphia Phillies of the past two years. We, we know Andy McPhail knows how to do a rebuild, and we thought Matt Klintak would be a really solid GM, and I'm not saying anything's wrong. But did, did they time the exact moment to really invest the money by getting Harper, McCutcheon, and Arietta uh, Was their timing off? And I would urge Oriole fans to look at the Phillies as almost a cautionary tale of where you, you know your fans are getting restless and you try and jumpstart something that isn't quite ready to jumpstart. Your thoughts? Well, I, I think there's no question that that's possible, that, there, that there's always the danger of that happening. Um, you know, Craig, I thought you made a, a really good point with restlessness. And, and that I, I'm, I'm already sensing that with people that I talk to. Yep. Um, you know, some of my buddies who, who think that for some reason the Orioles can be competitive in, in, say, 2021. Like, they know that 2020 is going to be another bad one, but they think that with a, with a few tweaks here and there, 2021 can, can start this uphill climb. And I continue to tell them that they're crazy. <laughs> because yeah. I, don't think, I don't think the Orioles are... Like I, and, and this is part of the problem that the Orioles experienced in the last, let's call it five, six years, because they didn't prepare for... They didn't prepare themselves in the Adam Jones and Manny Machado um, days for what was to come after all of those guys either became free agents or you know they were kind of for, their, their hand was forced to trade them away. So the, the mistakes of the last five or six years are 
why we're dealing with what we're dealing with now with the Orioles. And, 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 and why it's going to take so damn long for it to be fixed. And, and let's be honest, what we're really talking about is something that has, has been a, a team weakness from way before Peter Angelos owned the team. You have to go back to truly the late 70s when this team consistently developed players. Once you get past Cal Ripken, the next 22, 42 years, they may have developed themselves, and I'm not including Adam Jones there because he was traded for, Chris Hoyles was traded for, Brady Anderson was traded for. You, you, you're going to be hard-pressed to name 10 position players that this club has developed in 42 years. Right, and, and, no, and mean, the biggest one was you, and the biggest one was Moose. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, that's I'm a talking position about position. Player. Yeah. I'm talking position. Well, you'd have player. you'd probably have Machado and Weeders. Those yeah. would be the two that, that come to mind for me. Okay, go ahead, Markakis and Roberts. Go ahead, Markakis sure. and Roberts. David Segui was a solid major leaguer, never with the Orioles either time they had him. And after that, start trying to parcel together five or six more names. That I really, think, you know, scope is, is I'll put scope on the list. But. Sure. I, I think for me the biggest thing and the biggest difference between now and let's talk about, you know, the, the period between 1998 and, and 2011. Right. When, what, what, what many Orioles fans like to refer to as the Dark Ages. <laughs> um, <laughs> the biggest difference for me between now and then is that then the Orioles were always trying to you know, do things, sign players, whether it be, whether it be signing, you know, Sammy Sosa, Sammy Sammy Sosa, Sosa. Javi Lopez, Rafael Palmero, Miguel Tejada, all these guys, they were, they were, they were throwing stuff up on the wall and and hoping it would stick. And, and the biggest difference between that period of time when the Orioles were always kind of trying to win, but failing miserably at it. And now is that there seems to be a plan. Now what that plan exactly is and the exact details of that plan Nobody really knows because they brought in Mike Elias, uh, you know, and and are just kind of saying, "Here, fix this." And the problem with that is, fans can 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 blindly put their trust in that because there's a track record, or at least a slight track record there, based on his time with the Astros, and and they can do that. But they have to do that with an inherent belief and 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 understanding that it's going to take maybe five, maybe six years from, and, and that's not from the point of, you know, 2017, 2018. That's from, I consider this 2019 to be the first real year of this thing. Um, and, 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 and a lot of people want to look at, well, they've been losing the last two or two and a half, three years, but really we're just one year into this rebuild. And, and, and people want to keep accelerating this timeline. And I, I, I just have to keep reminding people that this thing, in my mind, I don't expect any kind of competitive baseball before the second half of 22, yeah, 22 at at, at the earliest. And that would be, you know, that would be a delight if it can happen by that. Because the the cupboard is so barren and and was left so barren by the decisions of the past five, six, seven years. Let me me pose one possible scenario to uplift Oriole fans, and I'm pretty much in agreement with you. But I got to tell you, that it's hard to imagine for me that this coming year with some of the arms that they've picked up, and believe me, I'm not saying that, uh, what's it, Isaac Matson is going to come in and be, you know, a savior in the bullpen or anything, but it's hard for me to imagine that this team in 2020 
will pitch to a 5.6-plus ERA and give up this number of home runs, it's just hard for me to conceive of that. And then again, I'm not saying that that equals winning a lot more games than they did last year, but maybe the games are a little bit more competitive and we're in some games because some of the defense will be a little bit better with a Hayes in center field. Uh, your thoughts on that possibility? I mean, all of that's obviously possible. I just, <laughs> and this is going not to, not to take your, your, your bit of positivity yep. and, and crumple it up and toss it in the trash, but I just, but, I but find you're going to do really, that. <laughs> that's right. I'm going to do that for a second because I just find it really hard to get, you know, super optimistic about anything that's going to happen in terms of, in terms of being competitive and in terms of wins and losses. I'm fine with looking at certain players and hoping, you know, you mentioned Austin Hayes. He's a player I'm excited to watch, and mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a positive I can take because right. I want to see what develops. But I'm also not going to be the type that gets super excited about Austin Hayes being the center fielder of a winning ball club in Baltimore because by the time he really truly develops, and, and I don't mean to pick on Austin Hayes, but, but you mentioned him, by the time he really develops and, and hopefully turns into a, a quality big league ball player, the Orioles could be ready to move him for something else and, 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 and to kind of keep this train rolling down the track. Right. And that's a good thing. That's a po- that is a, you know, it sounds like a bad thing, but truthfully that's a positive because you want to continue to d- develop these players and whether they're going to be on your roster contributing in 2022-23 um, or on another team and helping to bring in players, you know, maybe multiple players who can fill spots, those are the things you want to look for, and, and, and those are the things that I'm looking forward to in 2020. It, it has nothing to do, and I mean absolutely nothing to do, with competitiveness or wins and losses. It simply has to do with pieces and, and you know, what, what, what Buck Showalter used to call nuggets. I mean, we want to find nuggets right now that, that you know, not, not guys that can be on this team in 2023 and be on a, hopefully part of a winning ball club, but guys who can contribute to building that team. And in that's, the long that's run. sort of my point is uh, that, that if you find enough of those nuggets, I'm not talking about moving the ball past the goal line, but incrementally there's a little bit better brand of baseball if those guys do become nuggets. And I'm talking about Hunter Harvey, Dylan Tate, Austin Hayes, you know, maybe the maybe Chance Cisco, and again. Uh, believe me, I'm in the camp of really being dubious about what I'm about to say, but he's working at one of these academies this this off off season. He's trying to change his body type a little bit more to get stronger. You know, maybe there's a little something there, but I, I hear you uh, loud and clear. I want to remind folks that the bat around is presented by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. Craig, a last question for Andrew. And and I think when we're talking about this rebuild and what it's going to take to to get this team back to relevancy again, the other part of it, Andrew, for me is while I think there's the new regime really are the right people to try to get this done, I, I don't think they should lose sight of the fact that the American League East is a little yeah. different than the American League West. And that was that was going to be the, my next point. Yeah, you're spot on. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, who, I mean, the, who the knows? Who the, knows how long it takes? <laughs> the fact that the Red Sox had a an absolutely horrific year, and the Orioles finished thirty games behind them. Yeah, right. Is telling. I mean, the Red Sox the Red Sox cleaned house. 
because they went 84 and 78 and finished 19 games back of the Yankees, and the Orioles were 30 games back of them. I mean, that just tells you how wide the gap is right now. I mean, they were 13 games worse than the Blue Jays, who lost 95 games. Right, and, you, <laughs> I mean, and, that's, and that's you, what we're talking about here. And when you talk about the American League East, you just can't talk Yankees and Red Sox anymore. No, Tampa because and Toronto. Tampa and Toronto, yeah. especially Tampa, with the way they handle their pitching staff and, and the way that, you know, their front office. Uh, yeah, and Toronto's a team that I'll bring up, too, because, uh, you know, I talked about a little bit earlier about some, some friends of mine, you know, thinking, oh, the Orioles can... can you know, maybe be competitive as early as next year. And they brought up Toronto, and, and they were surprised that Toronto was a team that was going out and signing pitching. They, yeah. they, this was all brought on by the Hyunjin Ryu signing right. by the Blue Jays, which I think is a good signing by them. I, I think, think it's Hyunjin a great Ryu's signing. A very good pitcher if, if he can stay healthy. because If he, he can he, stay healthy, yeah. of course. <clears throat> but, but the Blue Jays are an example of a team that has, has gone through something similar but also totally different than what the Orioles have done because the, the Blue Jays have a young core already ready at the major league level between Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bichette and, 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 and all these BGO, young players BGO. that they're kind of bringing on. And I'm not saying the Blue Jays are going to come out and be this, you know, really super competitive in the AL East, but when you've got a core like they do, unlike the Orioles, and you can sprinkle in some, some, some pitching like they have, that's a recipe to be competitive as, you know, as a team like the Blue Jays are raised when you're competing with the Yankees and Red Sox in this division. And I think the Blue Jays are doing a really smart thing. You know, the, the Blue Jays were 36 games worse than the Yankees last year, but I would have more hope than that in what they've done and how they've kind of gone about it and the signings that they've made and the way that they've improved themselves in this offseason compared to the Orioles, who are just in a totally different ballpark right now. And that's kind of, when you're talking about the Orioles being competitive in the American League East and how they were 13 games worse than a team that's doing it just slightly better than them, that's how wide the gap is right now. All right, he is Andrew Stetka. You can read him in uh, the UtahStreetReport.com, uh, UtahStreetReport.com, and MassInSports.com. Andrew, happy, healthy New Year to you and your family. Thanks for being part of the show again. Same to you guys. Enjoyed T- it. Talk to you soon. Okay. Live Casino Hotel's new venue, The Hall at Live, continues grand opening weekend with another great free event Sunday, December 29th, featuring popular Baltimore rock band Charm City Devils. Tickets are free, but you need to claim yours now by going to livecasinohotel.com. More great shows are coming to The Hall at Live at Live Casino Hotel in 2020. Include Jill Scott, February 14th, Squeeze, February 29th, or uh, OAR, excuse me, or OAR, March 14th, Air Supply, April 3rd, Josh Groban, April 16th, Patty LaBelle, May 2nd, and Gabriel Iglesias, August 22nd. Get your tickets now by going to livecasinohotel.com. Craig, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Costas Inn, one of our favorite places. Well, absolutely. And uh, you can uh, go to the Costas Inn, <coughs> pardon me, and. Uh, Get great food all throughout the week, and uh, also famous for their steamed crabs and their crab cakes, and you can get those shipped all over the country if you want. Uh, Great specials on the menu throughout. Uh, Monday night is crab cake night, Tuesday night rib night, Uh, Wednesday night is steak night along with half-price bottles of wine, Thursday night is lobster night. You can get that plain or stuffed. The prime rib is to die for. I was in there over the weekend and had, uh, last weekend, and had... uh, the blackened scallops, which I, I think you should uh, try. I am planning on doing that. 
the next time I'm there at the costume. Mm-hmm. They have them every night? Yeah. Okay. You, can, you can order them every night and uh, black and scallops. Is that Nick's uh, idea? Who knows? Probably Pete's. Probably Pete's. Probably. Anyway, Costa Sin, 4100 North Point Boulevard. Uh, and if you're going over for crabs, make sure you call ahead early to make sure they are in supply and you can get them. That's right. And the number 410-477-1975. I want to thank our friends. Is that on the screen correctly, Paul? Down a little there? Does that look good? A little lower. A little lower. How's now? How about now? All right. Okay. Press Box would like to thank uh, Chesapeake Urology and the dozens of other great local businesses for sponsoring our 100-block charity pool. Over the past 10 years, we've been around to make donations to over 30 local charities, totaling more than $100,000. If your company would be interested in buying a block for the big game and naming a charity, reach out to John Colson now, by emailing John C at PressBoxOnline.com. We sure would appreciate it. We got about 27 more blocks to sell. So it's moving fast, and we've got about two and a half, three weeks to sell it out. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be right back with Bill Latson after these words. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate. Sliders Bar and Grill, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for Ravens and Caps season with all of the games on dozens of TVs. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wing Ding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more with different drink specials every day of the week. Join Sliders for the away Ravens games as well as the home game parties featuring Fancy Clancy Pilsner as well as game day food and drink specials. Find out about all of the parties and specials at slidersbaltimore.com sliders one of baltimore's original continuously operating bars royal farms is known for being real fresh and real fast but we're also real baltimore that's because baltimore is our home base and our home like purple and black flamingos and sunglasses or crabs and old bay our subs are real baltimore right down to the name we make them fresh delicious and to your order all day every day at a price that's easy to swallow royal farm subs are another reason why royal farms is real fresh real fast real baltimore Check out Costa's Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-priced bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out CostaZen.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers a better way to tailgate with football and nuggets. You can now pick up a 30-count Chick-fil-A nugget in a football shape container and if it would be helpful chick-fil-a nottingham square can half cook it leaving you the opportunity to heat it the rest of the way just in time for your party and now chick-fil-a nottingham square offers their three cheese mac and cheese cheddar parmesan and romano combine in this classic side baked fresh in the restaurant download the chick-fil-a app place your order and pile up chick-fil-a bonus points good for free food chick-fil-a nottingham square 5198 campbell boulevard call steve if you'd like your party catered by chick-fil-a 
410-931-0031, Chick-fil-A, Nottingham Square. This is former Trump AJ Francis just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled Uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on my list. This is your boy, Y2AJ, here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. We are back on the air on the battle round, and we're going to make our connection with uh, Bill Latson as soon as possible. Bill Latson of MLB.com, and that gives me a chance to remind folks that Project Game Day can be heard tomorrow. I'm not even going to read the script. Glenn Clark will come on at halftime of the game, so that figures to be about 5.45, 5.50-ish for about 12 minutes, 14 minutes to talk to fans. Uh, and then after the game, uh, you can add in your questions and comments on Project Game Day. Uh, and that will be with Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports. Uh, and uh, it's brought to you by some really great sponsors like our friends at the Costas Inn, Wise Markets, Glen Burnie Transmissions, Glory Days Grill, and the U.S. Mm-hmm. Army. Like Pressbox on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sports and watch Project Game Day there. Every game day this season, and that will be the last regular season project game day. Joining us right now on our hotline here, uh, live casino hotline, is Bill Latson of MLB.com. Bill, how are you, my friend? Doing great. Merry Christmas to you. Happy holidays to you. Did you have an eventful holiday? Yeah, just had... uh you know, dinner with my uh, wife and my brother-in-law, and that was about it. Well, let me ask you, how was the Richard Jewell movie? It was great, man. It was uh, it was a great movie. Clint Eastwood did a great job, and uh, a lot of stuff I didn't know, and uh, I would recommend it to everybody. I also heard somebody, I bumped into a friend, Mark Greenberg, who went into the Maryland State Hall of Fame, Athletic Hall of Fame, last year for his lacrosse career at Hopkins. He just got out of the movie Uncut Gems, the the Adam Sandler film, mm-hmm. where Adam Sandler plays a, a diamond dealer in the uh, in the Diamond District in New York, and said it was absolutely fantastic. This is a totally different type of part for Adam Sandler. So yes, it's a serious movie. It's not a comedy, and yeah, uh, I understand. I agree with you. I understand it's pretty good, and. Uh, Another movie I have to recommend is Bombshell. That was another good one, and uh, it was about Fox News. Oh, right, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was it was excellent too. Yeah, I thought the the one that uh, Russell Crowe was in was pretty good too. I forgot what that was called, but that was uh, pretty uh, pretty interesting. We're talking with Bill Latson of MLB.com. Bill, uh, what are your two or three big stories to watch right now? in MLB as we're now just a tiny bit over a month before spring training starts, which is hard to believe. Wow. Well, obviously, uh, I think, number one, the Nationals, everyone that's focusing on the Nationals to see if they're going to sign Josh Donaldson or not. I think Josh Donaldson is also a story because uh, 
The guy's 34 years old, and it's amazing to me that people are willing to offer him a four-year deal. Um, it, it's really amazing that considering, like, last year and the year before, guys his age weren't finding contracts like that. I mean, they were having a tough time finding a job. So um, I would say right now those are the uh, top stories. And also the Yankees, the Yankees, what they do with their uh, pitching staff. So um, although they got, you know, they signed Garrett Cole, I think they need more than Garrett Cole. Well, they've got Garrett Cole. They've got James Paxton. They've got um, Masahiro Tanaka. Do we know anything on how much time Domingo German will miss this year? Has that no? I mean, that still hasn't been decided yet. And uh, you know, I mean, they're doing their due diligence, Major League Baseball, and we'll, we probably won't find out till about spring training anyway. So, but you know, that was a big loss to me. That's what hurt. Uh, the Yankees the most in the postseason when they lost him. He was there. He was one of their most consistent pitchers, and, and losing him really hurt. And we didn't mention Luis Severino. So they've got Cole, Severino, Paxton, Tanaka. Tanaka. Yeah. That looks like a pretty darn good four. It looks like what they want to do is uh, evaporate uh, Jay Happ's contract and get some team to pick up maybe ten of that. Uh, and he yeah. would be an interesting pitcher for, like, the Brewers, something, or maybe even the Angels, you know, at and that being, 9 yeah, or 10. Both teams need pitching. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? You bet you Severino and Tanaka, to me, they're question marks. Mm-hmm. I can't say this is a great pitching staff because, uh, you know, uh, Severino had the shoulder injury. You don't know if he's fully mm-hmm. recovered. And, you know, Tanaka had elbow surgery this offseason. So I'm not going to say... The Yankees are all set until, you know, the season starts. Let's let's get back to Donaldson for a second. It's mm-hmm. just I've I've watched this not in just baseball or sports. I've watched it in business. Generally, when you have somebody's got an offer that seems to supersede other offers, and I'm talking about the Twins and the Nationals having four-year contracts on the table, doesn't mm-hmm. it look like Donaldson is doing everything he can to just stall those two teams until he gets a deal that's a little more to his liking in Atlanta? Um, I, I would say yes, Lord. I, I think he wants to stay in Atlanta because him and the GM have been together for quite a while, going yep. back to their days in Toronto. So, uh, yes, I think deep down he wants to stay in uh, Atlanta because, you know, that's where, you know, with the GM there, that's where he won his MVP. That's where he became really a known player when he's in Toronto. So, so, so let I me ask you the loyalty is. Yeah, so let me ask you a question. If they miss out on Donaldson, which I think they ultimately will, unless they really all of a sudden, you know, offer twenty million dollars more than Atlanta, and uh, uh, you know, in that extra year, um, what is what is uh, Mike Rizzo pivot to? Is it Kyle Seeger? In Seattle, is that the best option for him at that time? I don't think Kyle Siegel is a great option. I mean, you have Kari Kibu, of course, but you don't know if he's really ready. I mean, when he was in the major leagues briefly last year, he was he was below average. I mean, I almost want to say okay, but he was below average. And, you know, I mean, you got to remember this, though, uh, Stan. He has until opening day. 
yeah. see if he can make a move. And this is not a rush job here. I mean, you know, let's see what he has. Let's see how Carter Keboom does during spring training. If he doesn't do well, you know, he has all his scouts around and, you know, looking at who's available. And that's when you wait and see who's available. I, I just throw out, a, again, I keep throwing out Kyle Seeger. Uh, and I play fantasy baseball, so I'm not saying that I saw not well. <laughs> well, but I but I observe it. I, I observe it that well. <laughs> I observe it well. Well, I'll tell you what. He came. Into, I'd rather have his brother. He came into camp last year, and he hurt his. I think it was his elbow last year, and he did not play well in April and May. But start look at his numbers from middle of June on on a team that was collapsing. He put up some pretty impressive numbers the last three and a half months last year. He's 32 to Donaldson's 34. He plays a decent, not spectacular third base, but he's a, a pretty good player. And I'm telling you, the money, two years at $37 million, and he'd probably get Seattle to eat a little of that just to get out of the contract. You, you know, I, like I said, I'd rather have his brother. And... Uh... I don't know, man. I mean, I don't think he's the answer. Okay. I, I don't know. I just don't think he's the well, answer. Well, the options get pretty sparse after Josh Donaldson. You know, and I'm right, not saying... Right, and, you I'm know, not, and I'm not saying Mike. Right. I'm not saying Mike Rizzo's played this wrong. Uh, I was in favor of them really proactively going after Moustakas. They were in the hunt for Moustakas. They got beaten out by the Reds. Uh, which shows you the level of, uh, you know, he got four years at, I think, 16 a year. The Nats were probably four years, 14, or three years at 14. So they didn't get him. They lost Rendon, and now they got one guy, essentially, that they can go after. I think the idea that they're going to trade for, uh, um, what's his name, Chris Bryant, you know, is is a non-starter. That ain't happening. Yeah, yeah. they have to give up a lot. Uh, in order to get Chris Bryant. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your perception of this offseason by the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. It's been quiet, uh, Stan. I mean, if they haven't done anything really of significance, they lost Ryu, the, the pitcher. I, I don't know. Um, I have to wait and see what they do. I mean, I know people are calling them losers right now, but, I mean, it's too early to say it. Let me see what happens opening day. I mean, there's plenty of time. To get uh, some players, you know, uh, you know, make some trades, get some players in the free agent market. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think it's too early. I hate to call someone a loser when the season hasn't even started yet. I mean, it's still plenty of time. Well, I, I just look at it and I, I think to myself, uh, you know, that they're going to be good uh, regardless. At least that's my opinion. But there's got to be an increasingly more difficult situation for Dave Roberts at this point because of the pressure of getting to that World Series and not being able to get over the hump and keeping in mind that they haven't won one since 88. 1988. Yeah. 88, yes. Yeah. And you've got Clayton Kershaw, who clearly is a diminished pitcher. I mean, I'd still love to have him on just about any team, but it's where you're slotting him in. He used to be a one you may have – I'd say he's a three. He's a real solid three, but he's not much more than that at this point in time. And he figures to miss six or seven starts, 
at least, and you don't know when those could be. Craig, you could you could build this thing pretty well, and all of a sudden get to August, and his back goes out again. You may not have him for the postseason. Well, when you say a, a pretty solid three, you wouldn't consider him a two at all, only from the standpoint of I mean, if you I'm take the another, post, I'm saying another year diminished. Yeah, but if you take the postseason stuff away, right? I mean, no, I'm talking regular season. Yeah. I think he's a. He's he. I'll tell you what he is. He's sort of what Chris Tillman at this point in his career. I think he's what Chris Tillman was to the Orioles. Okay, a little bit better than that, you know, with the track record. Okay, um, you know, now their rotation looks like. And correct me where I'm wrong. Walker Bueller, Kershaw, Stripling, and Dustin May. Am I missing anybody significant there? No. No, I mean, or, they have, uh, they Arias, have, is Arias a starter? Is he ready to no, really be? Well, well, right now he's in the bullpen. Yeah. yeah. And I think he's going to stay there for now. Yep. But, uh, I mean, you never know. I mean, uh, you, you know, the way baseball is these days with analytics, you just never know. He could do both. But uh, I would say right now he's in the bullpen. Yeah, and, you know, I just think that, you know, when you look at that team and, Maybe some of the other things that you know teams in the West there have done too, uh, to to try to keep up and compete. Uh, I I think they're going to be good, Bill. But for me, you just wonder. And I know Dave Roberts tries to put a uh, you know a pretty positive spin on this a lot of times. But you and I have had this conversation many many times in the years that we've known each other. I don't think it's all that bad. I mean, to me, to be able to win a World Series, you have to be in the tournament, and they get there all the time. And, you know, I know that pressure starts to mount to win a World Series, but, I mean, the Nationals are a perfect example. For, you know, four years with division titles and out in the first round, they make it as a wild card, and then all of a sudden, you know, they run the gamut and they, they win the World Series. Yes, no question about it. And, uh, you know, to prove your point, Craig, I don't think any anyone from the West, from the NL West, I don't think they've done anything to uh, prove they can be the Dodgers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Arizona made some moves, but I, I agree. I think the Dodgers are still um, the best in the West, um, even if they don't make any moves. But that, that seems like that's – look, they tried to take a run at Rendon. They tried to take a run at Cole, and they missed out on both of them. But the fact that they didn't rebound off the loss of Cole and let the Diamondbacks get him, for, get Bumgarner for $85 million, it looks like they're okay with what everybody's saying is they're still the best team in the West if they do nothing. But is that really what Andrew Friedman aspires, is to just be the best in the West? I know that's not what Stan Cashin aspires right. to be. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, he wants, he wants to... Go all the way. He wants to win a championship. I, you know, you and I, uh, Craig, we know Stan Caston. He wants to go all the way. But uh, I think um, they do have to make some moves to, co- to go far in the postseason, I think. Uh, and I think there is a lot of pressure on Dave Roberts because, you know, he lost the first round to the Nationals. I, I, I think he's on probation now. So uh, we'll see what happens. All right, we're talking with Bill Latson. We've got him for a few more minutes. Bill, I want to talk to you in our remaining time about two teams in the American League that really have, in my opinion, gotten a good bit better, and that's the Toronto Blue Jays and the Chicago White Sox. Were you shocked that uh, they went into the $80 million range for Rayu, the Toronto Blue Jays? Uh, uh, no, because you know why? 
because if you're looking for a veteran who can guide that pitching staff, no, it did not surprise me. Because you know what? They have enough talent where they can compete. I mean, uh, for a wild card, maybe. Yep. I mean, you know, I saw a lot of the Toronto Blue Jays last year, especially during the second half. I was impressed with their young hitters. I mean, it, it wasn't just uh, Flavio Guerrero Jr. It was Biggio. I Bichette, mean, Biggio. I, you know, of all of them, I was impressed with Craig Biggio's son. I was impressed. Yeah, Kevin So Kevin um, he can really hit the He can hit left-handed, and I think he's going to be a star. Do you know much about the Japanese pitcher that they picked up, Yamaguchi? Uh, no, I do not. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah. You, you turn to Chicago White Sox. Our old buddy Gio Gonzalez winds up uh, uh, out there as well, and and they've made a lot of moves to try to improve their team. Yeah, I mean, uh, I like what they did. Um, I, I saw the improvement last year, even though they lost ninety games. You can tell they were they were on their way to improve. And yes, I think they could be five hundred or better. I don't think I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to win the division. But five hundred or better, maybe a wild card. Well, that. when you when you look at that division last year and the way some of it played out, Stan, I you know, uh, yeah, you got to think uh, that the Indians are going to. I think the central was some of this away. Yeah, but I know. thought the central was kind of a little bit down last year. No question about yeah. it. I mean, there's no question about it. And I think the White Sox might be the second best team when you add it all up. What does their rotation look like right now? It looks like Keuchel and Giolito at the top. Ronaldo yep. Lo- Ronaldo Lopez, then Dylan Cease, Kopech, Rodon. Both Kopech and Rodon are coming back from TJ surgery. Uh, what do you think? G- Gio will and be Gio and Gio will be number four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, they're pretty much set. Uh, what you just said, and uh, again, um, they they need some bullpen help, of course. But uh, I think offensively, you know. You know they have it. Yeah, I, I like what they have there. They seem like so, a, uh, they they seem like a terrific spot. If there was a player that the Orioles could wrestle from them for Michael Givens, I mean they seem like their their bullpen needs some help. Yes, it does need some help. Yeah, and Givens, uh, I don't know. I mean, it depends on what they want to give up. So, uh, you know, I we have to see the season. The off season is far from over, and we'll we'll know by February how it looks. Hey, Bill, before we let you go, uh, one last topic to, to beat around was uh, I found it pretty interesting, both the timing and the result that MLB and the umpires union have come up with a new five-year deal uh, that includes some decent raises, and I think the, essentially MLB has bought out any obstruction or opposition from the umpires union to moving forward with robotic ball and strike umpires uh, in the next couple of years. You know what? I, I tell you though, I was pretty pleased to see things were settled between the two parties. Yeah. But as far as you know, what the future holds, you know, uh, the robotic umpire. You know, I, I don't know. I, I have nothing to say about that. All right. He is Bill Latson from MLB.com. Bill, we wish you and your family uh, a prosperous and healthy 2020, and we hope. Uh, that your O-type negative blood, uh, we can find you a, a donor for you, okay, for your hey, kidney. thank you so much. All right. I appreciate it. Bill Latson, he joins us. All right. want to remind you, keep, 
keep my mic on, okay? It sounded like it went off. No, I, it, I just, it didn't. All right, it sounded like that's it went that off. disconnect between the phone and right. when when we hang up. Hey, um, what were we doing here? I wanted to remind folks that the battle round this hour is presented by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service dealers. And I want to talk a little bit about Glen Burnie Transmissions, located right in the heart of Glen Burnie. They've been there for 60 years. If you suspect you're having a transmission problem, GBT can save you hundreds of dealer, hundreds of dollars over the car dealers that you take for a repair. All right? So make an appointment for a free diagnostic and estimate. Call GBT at 855-728-1841. Their mission is simple to provide excellent service at a reasonable price. Go to their website at gbt-online.com to check out all of the five-star reviews, and that'll put you at comfort. Let my friend Mark Schwartzman and his GBT team take the troubles out of transmission troubles. Call them today at 855-728-1841. And before we get back to uh, the talk, I wanted to tell you a little bit about where is my ad? Baltimore's favorite bars, just 771 feet from home plate. Sliders Bar and Grill, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for Ravens and Cap season with all the games on dozens of TVs. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wingding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more with different drink specials every day of the week. Join Sliders for the away Ravens games as well as the home game parties featuring fancy clancy beer as well as game day food and drink specials. Find out about all the parties and specials at slidersbaltimore.com. Sliders, one of Baltimore's original continuously operating bars. All right? You're not getting an answer there. So what I'm going to I'm going to do is uh, all right. Is that is that Mr. Dolich? Is that Andy? Okay. It was a voicemail that okay. was calling back for no, some well, reason. Let me let me ask him. I think that's a person. Hello? All right. We're having our first technical glitch technical of the issues, day. Technical issues, yes. All right. Is this Andy Dolich? Hello? Yep. Uh, All right. Okay. There's there's some problem we're having with... Uh, hold on. The frustration of modern technology. Anyway, I think one of the things uh, when you go back to what Bill call, was, he says, call again. Okay, so dial him up again. I think All one right. of the things that uh, Bill brought up was very interesting about the White Sox in yep. that, uh, with the way that division turned out last year, and as down as it was, I, I still don't think you can count the Minnesota Twins out of anything. No, not especially, at all. Especially with that lineup and and. You know the, the the way they can score some runs, right? Uh, from from my perspective, I think uh, they're going to be very formidable. I think the Indians will be as well. But uh, Chicago's improved themselves. There's no question about it. And if they can get their pitching staff squared away, uh, they can they can do some damage. I think uh, in that division. So from that standpoint. Uh, again, you, you you get your starting staff in line, and you get the bullpen help that you need. Uh, offensively, I think they did a pretty nice job last year. So uh, you know, I don't. I, I wouldn't count the White Sox out of anything in the West. Uh, to me, the Angels. Uh, when when you look at uh, now Joe Madden 
being out there and and managing that ball club. And you you look uh, again. It's obviously the addition of Anthony Rendon, and you know I, it's interesting with Rendon. We we talked about the the Dodgers making a run at him or trying to make a run at him, and then Anthony at his press conference when he was when he got you know introduced as part of the Angels. You you look at that, and Anthony made the comment about you know. Maybe maybe L.A. with the Dodgers, you know, it's almost too Hollywood for him, which I found very interesting because, you know, you're only going right down the highway to Anaheim, so you're still going to have a lot of the same issues in Anaheim, I think, that you had uh, in L.A. with the Dodgers as far as, you know, comfort level and things of that nature. So I never really understood Anthony Rendon's comments about that, uh, the difference between the L.A. Dodgers and the and the L.A. Angels of Anaheim. So uh, it's it's hard to it's 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 hard to, uh, to to kind of figure out what he was thinking there because it's right. the same thing. It's it's Hollywood. All right, we apologize. We had some technical difficulties. But joining us right now is longtime sports business consultant and a uh, a person who has been an executive in all four major sports. That's my good friend from the left coast, Andy Dolich. And Andy, you say you want the black and scallops? Yes, um, it's a little early in the day here in California, but it sounds really good to me. And like everybody else, let's have twenty twenty vision in twenty twenty. That's right. Well, you know, you couldn't, you can't go wrong, Andy. Uh, at any time of the day, if you stop the Costas Inn, <laughs> Andy's Andy has not been to the Costas Inn, and I no, I haven't. But uh, you know, any time I have a chance to have the real crab, not Dungeness crab, but the real crab right. uh, on the East Coast, that's the way I'm going. Well, then, then that's the place for you. I got to ask you a question about the uh, uh, what, what's going on with the Oakland A's, and can you explain a little bit about uh, the ballpark uh, issue now, and the and the and the agreement that kind of the city and the team have come together on? Well, in our previous calls, Craig and and Stan, I think the fans of Baltimore and the bat around know more than maybe the fans in Northern California <laughs> and Oakland. Uh, well, well, we're hearing that. it from we're hearing well, it from a good source. But, but yeah, and the other part of that that too, Andy, is the fact that uh, the people of Baltimore understand what it's like to leave one spot and go to another spot in downtown Baltimore that turns out to be a multi-purpose dual sports complex that we've seen prop up around the country in various cities. And uh, now that the Raiders are gone out of there. Yeah, you know, to have a baseball-only stadium for the A's would certainly uh, yeah. be the way to go. Well, let's let's do a little bit of history, and I hope we have a few minutes to talk about what looks to be the ongoing battle between Major League Baseball and the minor leagues about uh, what Commissioner Rob Manfred has proposed that dis- for the future. Well, that disturbs um, me to no end. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk some basics here. Um, there was... One city in the United States that had three professional sports teams and three leagues playing on one facility, at one facility, and and that was the Oakland Coliseum and Arena. Now, two of those are gone. The Warriors to their new Hoop Palace in San Francisco, 
How is that? How is that? How is that place, Andy? Have you been there? Of it's, course. Yes, I have for games. It is spectacular, and it's the most technologically advanced arena in the country until the next one is built. Okay. Um, that, that being said, you know, the Warriors, uh, they're completely damaged, injured, broken, but they're on a bit of a winning streak now. Um, and when Steph and Clay come back and they're fully loaded, uh, the place will be rocking. Um, the Raiders, you know, are moving to their dome stadium in Las Vegas, and only time will tell how that experiment is really going to work. And the A's are the last team standing. They've been on a 14-year journey to try to find a new ballpark. And this is the sixth location that they've looked at, being Howard Terminal, which is far and away the most complicated location. It's, it's on the port of Oakland's land. Um, so it has water issues. It has toxic issues. It has... Transportation issues, but the A's are all in saying that that is where they want to build the stadium. This past Monday, the A's have an agreement in principle with the county of Alameda. The existing Coliseum property, which has the ballpark and the arena, is jointly owned by the county of Alameda and the city of Oakland. So now the A's are going to have 50% of 150 acres that they are going to buy for $85 million. The reason that they bought the Coliseum property is, in my view, it's a hidden ball trick that's not very hidden. If they can't do Howard Terminal, if they can't find the money, and it's going to be privately financed, the A's have said multiple times, 100% privately financed. But if you drill down, that isn't exactly factual. And I believe that the A's are looking at the Coliseum property as a second option if Howard Terminal doesn't work. And if Howard Terminal somehow does move forward, the A's are going to build at the Coliseum property and use the revenue for whatever they build there to help pay for Howard Terminal. Now, so now, if, that's you what had, can, can, if you had Bud Abbott and Lou Costello on stage, <laughs> I could write a great routine for those guys as it relates to the A's new stadium. So let me jump in at this point in time. Uh, the owner of the Oakland A's, whose name right now escapes me, Force David John Fisher. Fisher, Think John Fisher. Stores. Is he as big as uh, Tom Steyer or Michael Bloomberg in terms of his billions of dollars? Uh, he's only worth uh, about $3 billion, and I'll give John credit for the fact that he hasn't announced his candidacy for president. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. But but seriously, he has said that now, all along, the key to his deal in Howard Terminal was getting some type of ownership over on the other ballpark, the Oakland Alameda Coliseum uh, property, so he could develop that to make money to help him fund paying for Howard Terminal, the ballpark. But how about the chemical remediation, the toxic remediation, and the infrastructure, the roads? That, as you said earlier, is all very complicated and very expensive. He's not paying for the that, A's, is he? Yeah, right. The A's, through their president, Dave Cavill, actually John Fisher, 
has never once spoken to the media in the Bay Area or done an interview on radio or TV as to why he owns the team. And the how, many, how many years has four, he owned the team now? 14. 14 years. Okay. One four. Um, and Lou Wolf, his partner, who is no longer there, he was the spokesperson for many years. Now Dave Cobble, the team president, is the spokesperson, and he's the person that deals with the media and the public entities. Um, for many years, the A's have said that their ballpark is going to cost $600 million. Well, at Howard Terminal, with all of the challenges that we have talked about and you just mentioned, $600 million is an ante for what that stadium is going to cost. It's going to be a billion dollars all in, and Fisher has never once publicly stated, um, other than through Cavill, that it mm -hmm. will be 100% privately financed. Well, there you go. So I, I said to Stan earlier, no matter how this comes down, and you would probably have to get the A's to – to, to reach an agreement with the Giants to play two, three years in, in their ballpark. Well, you're going to need – yeah. go ahead. You know, uh, if, they, no, but, if they do Howard Terminal, yeah, they'll probably they, be able right. to play at Oakland Alameda Coliseum. Right, exactly, know. if they did that. But if they don't, and, and having been out there several times, I don't know how you feel about it, but I always think that where that stadium is located right now is still probably the best location for it. Greg, I couldn't agree with you more. I have been a voice in the wilderness – uh, having worked for the A's for 14 years, I have some level of public standing in the community. And the Coliseum property, incredible transportation, the ability to build out and around it, just like the Giants have done at AT&T Park, and now the Warriors are the Giants' neighbor, that area called China Basin or Mission Bay is worth multiple billions of dollars, also the home of UCSF Medical Center. The same circumstance could be created over the next several years in Oakland, but for some reason, the level of leadership that you have in the Oakland community on the elected official side and the A's determination to build at Howard Terminal has made the Coliseum a second-class citizen. You you still feel that when the real investigation begins at what it's really going to cost all in, that's when the A's say, you know, maybe it's not such a bad idea that we build over at the Coliseum. There's one other point here. Uh, the port of Oakland, where the A's are building at Howard Terminal, is one of the most successful ports on the West Coast. It employs thousands of people. It operates 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And there are approximately 50 large international entities that are not happy with the disruption yeah. that a ballpark uh, construction and operation, plus 10 lanes of 880, uh, which are right near the ballpark, are gridlocked only about 20 hours a day. But, so that's going to be a real raft of fun for fans getting to the game. But that and highway is only... About before, the, but the, the highway has proposed has a gondola system <laughs> to bring fans from downtown Oakland to the ballpark. Yeah, that's one of my favorite... That's one of my favorite ongoing stories in sports. We're talking to Andy Dolich 
Uh, he lives in the San Francisco, Oakland area, and he's a longtime uh, executive in Major League Sports. Andy, uh, we could talk about this for the whole 20 minutes, but I do want to touch on a couple other things. You mentioned um, Commissioner Manfred's uh, first shot across the bow at trying to change the overall structure of minor league baseball uh, in terms of where the where the cities that will have teams are, uh, upgrading facilities, minor league owners contributing to pay, uh, all or part of the the salaries of players. Uh, your thoughts on all that? Uh, first of all, the the viewpoint that I have has been enunciated in the best fashion by James Earl Jones in Field of Dreams. Um, in his uh, soliloquy uh, about the game of baseball. All you have to do is listen to that one. Um, Minor League Baseball is the laboratory, the research center for Major League Baseball. I proudly said during my time with the A's, I borrowed most of the successful um, sales and marketing and promotional concepts that were created years ago and are always created in minor league baseball. So why wouldn't you, in a franchise basis, what are there, 160 minor league franchises they're talking about, extracting 40 or restructuring 40? You have the money. You're a $70 billion industry in major league baseball. Then just freshen up some of those areas of stadiums, ownerships, um, player um, facilities easily done, just like any franchise would do that has places around America and has some that are getting a bit old. I just don't quite understand what the strategy is, especially when baseball is looking to gain the interest of younger people around the country. The level of affordability of minor league baseball can never be touched. And it's magical. It's the place where kids can actually interact with players and have their first experience. I still have not read anything that makes any sense as to why baseball is moving in this fashion. I don't either, and uh, I'll tell you what, uh, the more I see of this commissioner, uh, in my mind, the more... Uh, you dislike I, I dislike him and the fact that he's just trying to ruin the game. I mean, maybe not intentionally, but that's certainly in my way of thinking the way it's headed right now. Well, let me. Well, Craig, I was. I did an interview last night at, uh, with a local station here, and there's a book coming out. Dale Tafoya is uh, coming out with a book in April called Billy Ball. And this isn't Billy Bean, this is Billy Martin. It's, right. It's, I'm looking forward to it. I've spent a lot of time with the author who's written other books about sports. And I was, I was talking about the robot umpire idea, which I also think is harebrained. Can you imagine Billy Martin and Earl Weaver arguing with a robot umpire. Well, they, Where are we going? They just have to take a, 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 a wrench out with them. When, <laughs> when, but now he's calling me harebrained. I'm, no, a, I'm, a, firm, I'm a firm believer. I'm a firm believer in the robotic umpire. Yeah, well, that's because you're fan the fan, um, and you should seek medical attention. And, and not, a, and not imp- a fan of umpires. <laughs> the game is imperfect. Nobody bats a thousand. Umpires make mistakes. Let's stop screwing around with all these pieces. The game has been great for a long time. 
And you would think baseball is coming to an end by some of the fixes that I think are such gimmickry and leave the game alone. What are the real possibilities of Manfred accomplishing what he's trying to, what he stated that he wants to do? Uh, you know, cutting 42 teams. Uh, where will Congress come in on all this? Well, if Bernie Sanders is president, I saw that shot of him in a batting cage. Um, if Bernie is still standing, I think Rob won't be. Um, hard to say. It's all about economics. But um, I had a good friend of mine, not David Rubenstein, the greatest season ticket salesperson in the history of sports. Uh, you know, Stan, I have to throw that in every to. time we speak. Yeah, it's part of the deal. Um, right. But um, this is mouse meat. This amount of money to baseball is mouse meat, if you look at what they're making. And incidentally, didn't we just have two pitchers who signed for, what was that, a half a billion dollars? Over, over a half a billion, two, yeah. Two Six pitchers. Seven. Those guys could basically write a check at petty cash to take care of whatever questions there are in minor league baseball. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I think it's just a, uh, he's firing the first shot across the bow to try and carve out where where the starting point is uh, to gain an upper hand in negotiations. Well, in between that and some of the rule changes he's proposing, uh, I'm just not a very big fan Pat, of Pat him. O'Connor, who heads minor league baseball, is an Ohio University sports management <laughs> colleague of mine and has been in that position for a long time and knows uh, the internal abilities of how you fight battles like this, and I have great confidence that he will do a spectacular job in pushing back on an idea, as I said, that seems without strategy. Yeah, it really does. So get, let's get back to the robotic umpiring. Uh, this new deal that they announced, Major League Baseball and the Umpires Association, seems to buy out any sort of dissatisfaction that the umpires have had with this, uh, the notion that it was going to cost jobs or anything. What really is it, though, at the core of what you don't like about having a strike zone actually be a strike zone, the same one every night? Uh, great artists paint different ways. And, you know, to me, the strike zone, uh, the hitters today have, you know, incredible capabilities. And I don't believe in perfection. I believe the game is is wonderful because of its imperfections. And so let's let's jump ahead a few years. Um, hey, I'm a pitcher. I have elbow surgery, and it looks like I'm never going to pitch again. But Dr. Robert Curlin III has this new robotic elbow that they can put in, and I'm now throwing between 130 and 140 miles per hour. Yeah, am I going to be am I going to be able to sign? Well, or Rod, not? Rod Serling wrote a Twilight Zone that, that yep. had that <laughs> exact thing. Casey was the name of the pitcher, uh, and that was an, an incredible episode. You could go back to the six million dollar man yeah. now, you know. Well, I, I am a I am a firm believer that the strike zone is going to cure a lot of uh, an exact strike zone is going to cure a lot of what ails the game. I think it moves it along much quicker. Uh, I like the fact that pitchers 
because the game is about uh, the, the, the investment in the dollars and pitchers. To think that you want pitchers to throw extra pitches because of a missed call by an umpire, and you could have a starting pitcher have five or six of those, ten of those in five, six innings of pitching. Uh, I think he, I think, I think you're going to see a lot of improvements to the game with uh, robotic umpiring. I'd, I'd go another way, uh, Craig and Stan. I'd have the managers sprint to the mound. Right. If you can't sprint to the mound in a certain period of time. Uh, there's a major fine. Uh, there's changes in counts. Um, if you're going to put that exact box out there, then somebody else is going to say we need to put an exact box at second base. Well, and but it, they've they've all but to... they've all but done that, Andy. Now, now when you have you had you had video replay instituted to really take care of egregious mistakes by the umpires. And now what we have is a guy steals second base, and he's 99 and 9-tenths% safe, but he pops up from his slide, and the video shows the guy kept the glove on it. Is that really what we want to do? We want to be that precise on that play, but let Joe, Joe West's strike zone be the strike zone one night, and somebody else the next night, somebody else the next night. I, I just, I, I see a lot. Stan, I think you should feel a lot stronger about this than do. you obviously are. Well, My I, other solution is seven-inning games. And, you know, the Dodgers, the Dodger fans, many of the Dodger fans have figured out the solution. Seven right? innings, they leave it. Right, and, seven, and if there yeah. were seven-inning games last year, the Nationals <laughs> would have never won the World Series. Right, but the Dodger fans, I think, are on to something. Hey, the game's still long, or even if it's nine innings and it's 1-1, I got to go. See you later. Andy, that's exactly what we have to do now. I got to get my friend Benny Thompson on the air. I really appreciate it, and uh, I'll stay in touch with you whenever I read an article about the stadium. I think of my friend Andy Dolich. I love you, and thanks a lot. 14 years and counting, uh, 2020. I don't think it's going to bring 2020 vision to the stadium, but we'll see. Uh, have a great year, guys. All Always right. enjoy it. Talk to you soon. All right. Andy Dolich, and it's, there he it's is. not going to bring it to Rob Manford either. <laughs> no, it most certainly isn't. Uh, we'll remind you that uh, live – where are we? Somehow I – Live Casino Hotel's new venue, The Hall at Live, continues grand opening weekend with another great free event tomorrow night, the 29th of December, featuring popular Baltimore rock band Charm City Devils. Tickets are free. But you need to claim yours now by going to LiveCasinoHotel.com. There are more great shows coming to the hall at Live at Live Casino Hotel in 2020, including Jill Scott, February 14th, Squeeze, February 29th, OAR, March 14th, Air Supply, April 3rd, Josh Groban, April 16th, Patty LaBelle, May 2nd, and Gabriel Iglesias, August 22nd. Get your tickets now by going to livecasinohotel.com. You can give uh, Benny Thompson a call right now, and we'll uh, also let you know about yes this, t- this T-shirt that we're selling, okay? You see that T-shirt? The MVP, MVP right. Most Valuable Protectors. Ah, All okay, right? there you go. That T-shirt is available now. 
but I got to get to the right spot. <laughs> I thought I'd put these in an order. Here we go. Celebrate Baltimore's dominant offensive line with the brand new Most Valuable Protectors T-shirt, which I just showed you. There we go. There you go. All right. Which recognizes the incredible O-line that's helped pave the way for an MVP quarterback. When you buy the MVP shirt, not only will you be supporting the team, you'll also be donating to the Bradley and Nikki Bozeman Foundation and to their efforts to eliminate bullying in schools. Go now to bozemanshirt.com. That's B-O-Z-E-M-A-N shirt.com. Buy a shirt, support your team, and help stop bullying. Okay? Uh, that's uh, that's the Bozeman shirt, and uh, we're urging people to uh, buy that. Yeah, right. you have that in extra large? I think we do. Okay, right. sounds good. I think we're getting Benny Thompson on the air. This is a baseball-only talk show. But on but, occasion. But on occasion, we'll, we'll move around to different sports. And right now, I'm uh, happy to welcome onto the show Benny Thompson. Benny, how was the Thompson family Christmas? Well, unfortunately, it was probably one of the best ones I had in quite a while. It sounds like you haven't gotten over it yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't. What was it? A great it Christmas? Just great. It was great. It was a great Christmas. Excuse me. It was a great Christmas for the Thompson family. Yes, sir. All right. What made it so great? You spent it with uh, a lot of family. Well, yeah, I did, and then and that was the reason why, and I hate to say it, but uh, I, you know, came back to Louisiana was to spend time with the family, and that's what Christmas was about, spending time with my family. Now, did you buy great gifts for everybody? Did you buy everybody, like, a car or something like that? Well, I, I'm not good at gifts, so what I do, I normally give you a couple of dollars and say, hey, look, Go buy yourself something. At least that's what I do most. Because I'm not good at giving. Well, well, Craig and I are both willing to wait a few more days in the mail for. Yeah, abs- oh, absolutely, Benny. Uh, you know, <laughs> I was uh, talking to Stan earlier in the show. Uh, when we were running down the guest list of who we were going to have on the program today. And uh, Stan uh, said that you were going to come on and talk a little bit about uh, the Ravens' playoff run, Lamar Jackson, and the fact that if the Ravens uh, and the Saints, for some reason, meet in the Super Bowl, who you would root for. But I brought up another very interesting uh, thing that maybe nobody knows about. Uh, back in the day when Stan was doing uh, a talk show at the Costas Inn, uh, mm-hmm. I, I would help him out a lot with that show. And one day you were in there, and I saw you sit at the end of the bar and right by the front door and order just one crab. One crab. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that, Benny? No, uh, I don't remember that. <laughs> I mean, you know, normally you go out to Crab House, yeah, yeah, yeah give me a half dozen, a dozen. 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 <laughs> you ordered one crab. <laughs> I, I heard that story before, but I I don't recall. <laughs> now, now, here's a story. Do you recall the night that five minutes before the show down at the Havana Club, right by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, you handed me a lottery ticket that wasn't scratched off yet, and you said, ah, I, I never win there. Here, you take this. And I was I was I or was I not 
scratching it off as we went on the air. Yes, you were. And I yelled that we won, Benny. We I won. I remember that. <laughs> you got me. I remember me. that one. You got me, you bastard. You got me. <laughs> so, let, so let me ask you this. You've seen, uh-huh. you've seen the Ravens do incredible things since the bye week of last year when they inserted Lamar Jackson as the quarterback in, in into mm-hmm. the starting lineup. And you've seen variations of this offense with different quarterbacks, whether it's a Russell Wilson uh, and, and some other guys that have run the read option. And I think a little bit of it's different, obviously, with Lamar because he's pretty much faster than anybody else, you know. Right. Uh, but but is 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 this an offense and a style that we're going to see going forward now with quarterbacks coming out of college and maybe not doing it as well as Lamar, but just that right. philosophy and that system? Yes. You know what, I, I, I really think so because uh, this kid is so good that uh, everybody else is looking at him like, wow, you know, you know how can you stop him? Or what can you do to stop him or what? Defensive coordinators are probably losing their minds right now, wondering how in the hell can we, you know, stop this kid. You know, barring injuries, this kid probably is, I mean, he's going to be good for a long time because he has, you know, he can run the ball, he can pass the ball, uh, he can do all of the things that, you know, athletic quarterback can do. Well, you know, and I didn't buy into it at first. I mean, obviously, Lamar's health to be able to continue this is going to be paramount and, and keeping him right. healthy and, and praying that every time he takes off, I mean, the one thing I always say to myself is, oh, my God, this is great. Don't get hurt. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think yeah. going forward, that's the thing. And and uh, a lot of people who question the success that he's had to this point will always bring that up. They'll say, well, what happens when he gets hurt? Well, let me just jump in, Benny. Uh, I, I got a chance the day that they had the press conference for Greg Roman taking over as offensive coordinator last year. And I asked him the question about Lamar and injuries. And he at first blanche, he gave me this answer that sounded, ah, it's just coach speak. But the more I thought about it, he said he actually felt that scrambling quarterbacks like Lamar that have that unique ability, they actually can protect themselves better than a stationary quarterback like a Joe Flacco or a Tom Brady because mm-hmm. they're kind of controlling when the hit comes. And and that goes right. back to and that kind of goes back to what Lamar was saying earlier this year in that he says I have more of an opportunity to get hurt when I'm in the pocket. Yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. That's definitely, that's true. It's true. And then and when you have a quarterback like him, and the one thing he's have to learn is when you run in, he, as a quarterback and, and playing his position and, and his style of play, when you're getting close to that sideline, just step out of bounds. Don't try to get that extra yard or, yeah. or take that extra hit. Just to prove to me, hey, look, I can do it. You you know, know, that's exactly how I posed the question to Greg Roman. I said, he's he's got a chance to get three or four more yards. Wouldn't he be better to run out of bounds three or four yards sooner than take that hit? But I said in the same question, I said, but I'll bet you he thinks he's got a chance at any play to get 12 or 15 more yards. He's not thinking small potatoes like three or four yards. Right, 
And you know, one of the things about it is that I, I remember, I recall talking to Jamal Lewis back in his days when he was there in Baltimore. And when I was told, used to tell Jamal, you know, you go to the sideline, don't try to take, take and, you know, take that extra hit just because right, right. you want to prove it. And Jamal came back at the end and he eventually wanted, I think, he thanked me for it later, but, you know, but it, it was too late. Yeah. You know, kind of too late, but that's the same thing with this, you know, with this uh, Jackson kid. You know, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody when you. Right there on the sideline, just step out of bounds. In case you get their extra uh, yardage. In case somebody's tuning in, we're broadcasting from the live casino hotel studios, and our guest, uh, you, you haven't reached the wrong show. This is the bat around, a baseball only talk show. But today we're making an exception. I brought in my old friend Benny Thompson. Uh, from the Baltimore Ravens, his days as a special teams ace, um, to talk a little bit about Lamar Jackson. But I do have to say, Benny, I really was pissed off. They now have named the the top 100 players of all time in the NFL. What are you, mm-hmm. 101, 102? <laughs> hey, I haven't been keeping up with that. Yeah. But, but that, that was the special teams list, Benny. <laughs> 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 Bill Bill Belichick Bill Belichick well, said he's the second around there, Yeah, Bill Belichick said you're the second best special team player he ever saw. <laughs> Who was the first? Steve Tasker? Yeah, I think he kind of uh, numbered like yeah. that. But he, you know, Steve and I had a conversation about that. But yeah, the one thing about it he and I talked about was he did some things that I wouldn't do and I I did some things that he wouldn't do. So uh, we had that conversation. It was, it was never about he and I talking about, well, I was better than you or you better than me. One of the things we talked about was the things that he did better and did great compared to the things that I did better than him because he wasn't that kind of the physical type of guy. Can, can he you? wasn't that type of guy. Yeah. He was a more of a finesse guy. Right. But he was good at what he did. There's no question he was good at what he did, but you were the best. Yes. You were the best. We're talking with Benny Thompson. Benny, tell our listeners out there the time you engaged the late David Modell, who was a good friend. You asked him if he could, you could get on that ring of honor, right? <laughs> and what did, what did David say to you? Well, uh, <laughs> David probably gave me the answer that nobody would have ever thought he was he would tell them, and especially to me, because you know I was always close with David and you know uh, Mr. Modell, and uh, <laughs> you know, it was one of those things where <laughs> he just said, "Hey, look, go down to City Hall, get your name changed to Exit, and you'll be all around all the stadiums. You won't be just in the the Ravens stadium. You'll be around all the stadiums." Stadium. <laughs> Hey Benny, let me ask you this. Uh, we were talking about we were talking about Lamar, and uh, you know I think one of the things that makes what he's doing this year so special is the fact that in the passing game, forget the running part of it, but in the passing game, he has become such a better pass, so much more of a better passer. Yeah, this well, how's he done that than, than than he was last year? Well, I think I've heard him say that. That was one of the uh, part of the game that he wanted to work on, 
after last year was his passing and his accuracy of you know throwing the football. And he had he had he had having through uh uh better a lot since last year, but uh and he's only gonna get better. That's the scary part about him. He's only gonna get better. Well, the part of the game that's amazed me, not only his improvement in passing, but Benny, you watched him play six or seven games last year. He would right. fumble the ball all on his own. He wouldn't fumble when he was hit necessarily. He would sort of hit it with his knee or something. This year, I think he's had one fumble of any consequence. How has he been able to master, you know, you know, possessing the ball and protecting it much better. But like I said, uh, too, is that that's one of his weaknesses from last year, and he wanted to work on that so he could come back and, and you know, uh, play a lot better than he did last year because uh, he knew where he, his, where he made his mistakes last year, so he wants to make sure that he don't, you know, you don't, and no, no player wants to come out and make the same mistake each and every time, each and every week. Trust me, uh, they just don't want to do it, and that's what he did. He he went back and looked at the film and and took his all season serious, and and uh, you know now he's not making those same mistakes again. Yeah, and you know that's the thing about it. You know the 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 lack of uh, turning the ball over. Uh, it just seemed to disappear this year, and mm-hmm. uh, again, that's one of the things with any football team. In terms right. of turnovers and things of that nature, to be successful, you just can't do it. <laughs> All right, Benny. Um, yes. Benny, can you hang on for a couple of minutes? Sure. Okay. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break right now, get a couple commercials in, uh, and we'll be back with Benny Thompson right after this. Okay, I'm getting an Italian cold cut with oil and vinegar. Turkey and Swiss with extra mayo for me. And I want a ham and cheese with everything. Before we go to the game, we go to Royal Farms. It's not football without a Royal Farms sub. At Royal Farms, it's all fresh. And delicious. In this town, you don't tailgate with a hoagie. You tailgate with a Royal Farms sub and world-famous chicken. Royal Farms. Real fresh. Real fast. Real Baltimore. Check out Costa's Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-price bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out CostasIn.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values. Earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home Home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate. Sliders Bar and Grill, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for Ravens and Caps season with all of the games on dozens of TVs. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wing Ding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more with different drink specials every day of the week. Join Sliders for the away Ravens games as well as the home game parties featuring Fancy Clancy Pilsner as well as game day food and drink specials. Find out about all of the 
parties and specials at slidersbaltimore.com. Sliders, one of Baltimore's original continuously operating bars. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special Press Box Best of 2019 issue presented by Maryland Sports Commission. On the cover, we recognize Lamar Jackson as Athlete of the Year, and Bill Ardeen honors the inspirational Mo Gabba as our Sports Person of the Year. Inside the issue, we celebrate the top people, performances, and moments of the year. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer here from Glenn Clark Radio. Kyle, you know, I'm regularly asked by folks about how we get so many great guests on our show. Well, I, I work really hard to get some of the biggest names on with us. I know you do, and the world recognizes it, but I want to challenge you to try to get some even bigger guests on the show moving forward. Okay, who do you have in mind? Well, nothing crazy. Like, what about Tim Tebow? Uh, or, or how about Leonardo DiCaprio or, or Lady Gaga, maybe Barack? Barack Obama. Uh, you know what? I'll settle for Wilt Chamberlain. But I think he died. What? Yeah, like 20 years ago. So that's a maybe? Maybe Java Chamberlain. Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. No one wants to talk to Java Chamberlain. All right, we are back on the uh, bat around, and we're batting it around with Benny Thompson. Benny, um, are you still there with us? Yes, sir. We got here. A, we got a few more questions for you, and then we'll let you get on with your day. Uh, okay. Gre- Greg Roman, I don't know if you know him at all or have come across him. Uh, how much longer will he be employed by the Ravens? Is he a guy that you think would get some looks at being a head coach? Uh. I'm not you know, like uh, the first question is you know I you know I know of him right but I he and I uh, don't know each other very well but I just know of him and I, I'm quite sure when you uh, start doing some of the things that he's doing with that offense uh, there are going to be other teams just starting to be interested in and you know hiring him bringing him aboard on on their staff. All right, that's fair enough. Now, let me get to the, the core of the issue here. You've watched a lot of football this year, like I'm sure you do every year. Are mm-hmm. the Saints the best team in the NFC, and how far above the are the Ravens from anybody in the AFC? Are we looking at a Saints-Ravens Super Bowl? Well, you know, uh, to answer the first question, I, I don't personally think the Saints are the best team in the NFC. Uh, to be honest with you, I think San Fran is probably playing playing better football than anybody in the, in the NFC. Now, as far as the uh, the Ravens and the AFC, you have some pretty good teams in the AFC. You have Kansas City who's going to be there at the end, and you you know Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots is going to be there. But uh, that, uh, the, I think the AFC is going to be a little bit more complicated than. Um, uh, most people think. If you're a Ravens fan, would the one team you'd be a little bit hesitant about playing or wanting to play is New is uh, Kansas City? Yes, definitely. And and also New England as well because uh, once Bill Belichick and I, and I know what everybody's saying. Well, they have beaten New England this year. Well, once New England, Bill Belichick plays the team mm-hmm. and. Like the Baltimore Ravens, he's going to go back and study every move that, everything that was done, every move 
that was made and to make sure that he tried to come up with a, you know, good defensive call or, uh, or whatever. But that's who Bill Belichick is, and that's why he's probably the greatest football coach there is right now. Yeah, well, I don't doubt that he's the greatest football coach, but I, I, I do not see them getting, and it looks to me like we'll play Houston, Buffalo, or Tennessee at mm-hmm. home uh, two weeks from today. Uh, but I think New England's going to end up having to meet Kansas City at some point in time. Right. And, and I don't see them getting by Kansas City. I really don't. Right. Uh, we'll well, see. it went down to the wire last year, and then it went into overtime, and uh, uh, the Patriots won it. But uh, I think Kansas City learned from it. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm kind of like you. I, I don't believe they can get past Kansas City this year because they're well, – Defensively, New England has been playing a lot better than they have previous years because of the fact that uh, previous years it's been all about Tom Brady and that offense. Well, now it's all about the defense. Yeah. And so defense wins championships. I, I'd love to say that. But people can say that. But with New England, it was, you know, Tom Brady and the offense win championships. Is it, uh, before we let you go, i got two more questions. Is it pretty much a fait accompli that Jerry Jones will change coaches after this season? I really do. That's probably one of the most talented teams in the NFL that was very, very, very disappointing. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, Jason Garrett and I are very good friends, and maybe you know it or didn't know it. I but did Jason not know that. played with me when I was in New Orleans, and I think uh, – he was like the third or fourth quarterback on the team when, when I played here in New Orleans. But uh, I, I don't see that uh, it, making changes there is only going to be a positive for the Dallas Cowboys because keeping Jason. Uh, and the reason why people ask me, well, what is it that Jerry sees in Jason? Well, I tell them, well, most head coaches is just like anybody else, any other owner or any other, other ball. He's, he doesn't cost. He's not costing Jerry a whole lot of money to where I'm not sure exactly how much of money he's making, and it doesn't matter. But if he's not making that much money, we all want want to hire somebody that ain't going to cost us a ton of money, where I think most head coaches are making around seven, seven, eight, nine, ten million dollars a year. I think Jason only make about four or five million dollars if that. Uh, and that's why Jerry is so in love with him. Well, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. You're talking about, you know, whether or not, you know, with the Patriots having lost here uh, to the Ravens and whether Bill Belichick can make that, uh, yeah. you know, if they, if they come down to meeting each yeah. other, whether they make mm-hmm. that adjustment. Keep in mind last year what happened when the Ravens go out to San Diego or go out to L.A., beat the Chargers, and then the Chargers mm-hmm. come here from the playoff game. Uh, they took a look at that tape. Now, granted, Lamar's a different player than he was last right. year in that playoff game, but mm-hmm. the whole idea of adding that uh, extra defensive back was something the Ravens never adjusted for. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think, look, uh, to bring that up, you know, they they – they changed their entire offense last year when they inst- installed oh, yeah, Lamar absolutely. Jackson. They didn't have a chance to have option B or C. They gave mm. him one option how to play last year, and that's right, what they right. went with. This is a very different team. Hey, Benny, before we let you go, I got one last question for you, and I'm all, mm-hmm. ser- all seriousness. The 100-year anniversary of the NFL 
they are doing something vastly different with the Hall of Fame. There will be five players that go in on the regular, you know, vote by the writers. But the mm-hmm. but there are going to be ten players, uh, ten combination of um, contributors and players, veteran players that go in from a blue ribbon committee. Ozzy is mm-hmm. on that committee. Ernie Acorsi is on that committee. Bill Polian is on that committee. And a, a couple other people I'm trying to remember. But anyway, this might be one of the last real opportunities Art Modell has to go in to the Hall of Fame. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you think Ozzy is a pretty persuasive guy in a room like that? Because uh, yeah, they're, name, they're uh, naming this time around, they're naming three contributors. And the other eligibles are George Young, Paul Tagliabue, Bud Adams, the guy who did the Elias Sports Bureau, Seymour Swift, uh, and a couple other, you know, uh, longtime folks. So, anyway, your thoughts on uh, Art Modell's well, chances? Well, if anybody can get it done, Isaac Newsom will get it done and can get it done. So, I mean, uh, Isaac Newsom, his name speaks for itself. Uh, everybody respects him uh, and then and because of the job that he has done there in Baltimore. So if anybody can get it done, I can honestly say it, could, it will be Ozzy Newsom. All right. Well, I'm, I'm, I, think, I think this is his last best chance, but I think there's a good chance of it. And I think Tagliabue goes in. I think George Young, Tagliabue, and Art make it this time around. We'll see. Right. Uh, all right. Uh, Benny, Jane says to say hello to you. Uh, Craig, okay. Craig, Craig Heiss says hello to you. And uh, I love you, and I'll talk to you soon. Happy, healthy 2020 to you and your family. And the same to you guys, too. All right. Thanks, Benny. There he is, Benny Thompson. One crab. Yeah, one of (laughs) Well, he's one of a kind. Yes, he is. He is one of a kind. Hey, uh, the Costas Inn, located 4100 North Speaking of which. Yeah, yeah. that's where you can go to get one crab. That's right. Is the Costas Inn. Uh, Tell folks a little bit about what makes the Costas Inn so special. Well, number one, Pete and uh, Nick Triantopoulos treat you like family when you go in there. And uh, the atmosphere is great. The service is incredible. Great specials on the menu throughout the week. Crab cake night on uh, Monday night. Tuesday is rib night. Thursday, I'm sorry, Wednesday is uh, steak night. And you can get half-priced bottles of wine uh, all day on Thursday. And then, uh, you know, or on Wednesday, I should say, Thursday is lobster night. And you can get that stuffed or uh, have it plain. Great specials throughout the week. The prime rib uh, is to die for. How about those blackened scallops? Well, you should try that next time you're in there. 4,100 North. I'm planning on it. You count on it. 4100 North Point Boulevard, and uh, that's the place to go. That's the Costas Inn. We'll be right back to wrap things up. Pizza Blitz, the favorite pizza place of offensive lineman Bradley Bozeman and his wife Nikki, invites you to try all of their Italian specialties. Pizza Blitz makes their entire menu with classic Italian family recipes. The dough and everything else is made fresh every day. Pizza Blitz, located in Quarry Lake, is the perfect family stop for great pizza as well as incredible wings, subs, and salads. You can even BYOB. Pizza Blitz is located at 2622 Quarry Lake Drive, just inside the Beltway. See the full menu at pizzablitzcorylake.com. 
Press Box's Project Game Day is back, as we'll be with you to react immediately during and after every Baltimore football game this season. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime with various guests joining him the moment the game wraps up, including the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard, Press Box's Ken Zalis, and Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports. Press Box's Project Game Day is made possible by great partners. Costa Sid, Wise Markets, Glen Burnie Transmissions, Glory Days Grill, and the U.S. Army. Like Pressbox on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sports And watch Project Game Day there every game day this season. Celebrate Baltimore's dominant offensive line with the brand new Most Valuable Protectors t-shirts, which recognize how the incredible O-line has helped pave the way for an MVP quarterback. When you buy the MVP shirt, not only will you be supporting the team, you'll also be donating to the Bradley and Nikki Bozeman Foundation and their efforts to eliminate bullying in schools. Go now to bozemanshirt.com. That's bozemanshirt.com. Buy a shirt, support your team, and help stop bullying with the Most Valuable Protectors. The latest edition of Pressbox is available now, and it's our very special Pressbox Best of 2019 issue presented by Maryland Sports Commission. On the cover, we recognize Lamar Jackson as Athlete of the Year, and Bill Dean honors the inspirational Mo Gabba as our Sports Person of the Year. Inside the issue, we celebrate the top people, performances, and moments of the year. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers a better way to tailgate with football and nuggets. You can now pick up a 30-count Chick-fil-A nugget in a football-shaped container, and if it would be helpful, Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square can half-cook it, leaving you the opportunity to heat it the rest of the way just in time for your party. And now Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers their three-cheese mac and cheese. Cheddar, Parmesan, and Romano combine in this classic classic side baked fresh in the restaurant download the chick-fil-a app place your order and pile up chick-fil-a bonus points good for free food chick-fil-a nottingham square 5198 campbell boulevard call steve if you'd like your party catered by chick-fil-a 410-931-0031 chick-fil-a nottingham square respect it's more than a word in the u.s army it is one of our core values earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad on the army team Respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. All right, we are back on the bat around, and we thank Paul Valley for uh, doing a fine job on his first effort here. He did a pretty good job. Yeah, absolutely. Did a good job. Uh, maybe any? maybe there's some hope for those Towson people after all. Yes. Yeah, you know? Yeah, well, we love our Towson people. Yeah, that's right. Hey, um, you got any big plans for New Year's? Are you uh, going no. to the Costas No, we'll see the uh – I think there's a game? A game on New Year's Eve, game on New Year's Day, so, you know, it is what it is. Just going out and earning money. Yeah, trying to. You're going to be in spring training this year? I don't think so. Okay. All right. Do you miss that? Uh, to a degree, yes. Yeah. Yeah. What year was it you got in your accident? Oh, my God. That, that was back in back, Lauderdale, That, that right? goes back in Lauderdale in 2001. 2001. Yeah. The first person to call me on the phone when I was in the hospital was Mike Messina. That's pretty special. Yeah, it was his first year with the Yankees. Wow. 
How See? did he find out about it? Uh, I believe John Delcos uh, at the time told the him. The late John no, Delcos. The late John Delcos. We yeah. lost Delly this year. Yep. Sad. By the way, uh, just a terrible story yesterday. I go on AOL to get some quick news flashes. That Hawaii helicopter story, terrible. Yeah, it is. Uh, Did they find the seventh victim yet? I don't know. I haven't seen yet online today. Yeah. And I'll tell you uh, who else we lost yesterday. We lost one of the great icons in this business, Don, Don Imus. Yep. Yeah. yeah. The I Man. And, uh, you know, from his days uh, in New York and even before that in Cleveland, where he right. was a, a big deal out there. Uh, just a lot of fun to listen to. Yeah, he was he, a funny he guy. He was a, an acquired taste, but, uh, you know, he was. He was New York's version of what I think Johnny Walker was here in Baltimore. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. Thank you, Paul. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you, Craig. Happy Same to New you. Happy New Year to our audience out there. We thank you for tuning in. Don't forget Project Game Day tomorrow. The Raven game has been moved to 425. Glenn Clark will be on by himself at halftime for about 10, 12 minutes. Uh, and then after the game, when the whistle blows, uh, he and Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports will be on for um, about 45 minutes uh, tomorrow. Uh, if you haven't grabbed a copy of our print edition yet, please do so. It's available also online at pressboxonline.com slash of. Craig, have you read the story of Mo Gabba? Yeah, yes. Bill, Bill did a nice job on that. <clears throat> a very nice job yeah. on that. And, of course, Mo is just fabulous and an inspiration to anybody who comes in contact with him. Yeah, he's a special, special kid. All right. Uh, many thanks to everybody out there, and thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, it's not too late to like and share the show, the show that we do each and every Saturday from the Live Casino Hotel Studio. That's it for today. Have a great rest of your weekend.